Today, we're going to be talking about getting back to the basics of being a witness, of being a witness. We're in John chapter 4, and this is a very familiar passage as it deals with a very familiar story, the woman at the well. And how many of you say the woman at the well is one of my favorite stories in the scriptures? One of mine too. So we're going to read quite a bit of this. John chapter 4, look at verse 5. Then cometh he, Jesus, to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him what? Thou wouldest have asked him what? He, he, could, he could give her the living water. Aren't you thankful for that living water? How many of you have found that living water in your life? I want to tell you something. There's nothing like it. The world cannot satisfy. You can drink and you can drink and you can drink whatever the world has to offer. But Christ has the living water. Look at what Jesus says. He says, whosoever drinketh of this water shall what? Thirst again, verse 13, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give thee shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into life everlasting. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus says unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In this thou saidst truly. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I actually kind of think that's a funny statement. <laughs> Our fathers worship in this mountain. She tries to change the subject here. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus responds, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called the Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, what did he say, church? I that speak unto thee am he. What a powerful statement. And upon this, the disciples came. They marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, why seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Wherefore, said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say ye not. 
There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, I'm so thankful for your word and how powerful it is in our life. And God, I pray that we would learn some things today from Jesus, from you. I pray that we learn some things from this woman today and the woman at the well. Help us, God, to work on witnessing. I know, Lord, that probably most people here, myself included, we get nervous when we think about telling others about our faith. But may we, Lord, be encouraged today and be strengthened and be excited about telling others about Christ again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 2020 is coming to a close and we're getting back to somewhat, I guess, what you'd call normal in some, some cases. And in this series, we've talked about getting back to some spiritual things, some basic things that we need to get back to. And maybe you've been off of work here and now and been out of school and all these different things, and you're getting back to school and getting back to work and getting back to your kind of your regular schedule. There's some regular things that we need to get back to spiritually. We talked about many of them, getting back to our first love, like the church at Ephesus. We talked about getting back to the joy of our salvation. Hey, we've been saved. That ought to put a big smile on your face. Look at your neighbor and said, I've been saved. Look at your other neighbor and said, I owe, you owe me money. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. But we, we've been saved. And we had to get back to that joy of our salvation. We talked about getting back to true discipleship, not just a, a soft, whatever, what can Christ do for me? What can the church do for me? Kind of a Christianity, but more of a, I'm going to take up my cross and deny myself and follow him. We talked about getting back to true discipleship. We talked about getting back to a powerful prayer life. And oh, I struggle in my prayer life. And I know we all could work harder in that. And I want to have a powerful prayer life. And we talked about getting back to serving God and serving others again. But today, as we wrap up this series, we're going to talk about getting back to being a witness in our life. Now, I heard a story about a barber and uh, uh, he was gloriously saved. He went to a revival meeting, an old-fashioned meeting, got saved. God saved him in a miraculous way. And he went to work the next day, and he was so excited about sharing his faith with others. I mean, he was just giddy, and he wanted to tell others about Christ. Now, how do you remember when you first got saved? You couldn't wait to tell others. Imagine this guy. He was excited, and, but he was nervous. He'd never told anybody about the Lord before. And so he just said, I'm so nervous, but I'm going to make a commitment. And he said, I am going to witness to the first person that comes in the room uh, to come get their hair cut today. And sure enough, a guy came in and sat down in the barber chair, and the guy's, the barber's shaking, and, and he gets that straight razor, and he pulls it out. And he's shaking. Brother Dexter, you're a barber. You know what I'm talking about. And he's shaking. And, and he goes, he's putting lather in the guy's face. And he's shaking. He starts shaving the guy. And the whole time he's sweating. He's like, I want to talk to this guy. I want to tell him what happened to me. I want to tell him what Christ did. And he's got that butterflies in his stomach. But he gathers up the courage. And finally, he doesn't really know what to do. He just stands up with his razor, looks at the guy and says, are you prepared to meet God? <laughs> Needless to say, he probably lost that customer. But... Most of us, I think, in the room today, if you're saved and you know Christ, you're a Christian, you want to tell others about the Lord. I would say that most of you in the room, there might be an exception, I'm sure, but, but most Christians, when they accept Christ, they want to share their faith. The problem is, is we're like this barber. It makes us nervous. And we don't know how to sometimes. We don't know how to broach the conversation. We don't know how to bring it up. You know, I think about Brother Asprey. I don't mean to embarrass you, but Brother Asprey is an incredible soul winner. I go, to, I go with him to the door. It's like a natural. It comes natural to you. 
And some people, they, they, they've practiced, and they, but, but most of us, we're not, we're, it's not natural to us. And, and so we're like this barber, and we don't know how to broach the subject. Sometimes we want to witness to our family, or we want to witness to a coworker, and we're thinking, how do I even bring this up? How do I even broach this conversation without it seeming awkward? I don't want to offend people, but I want to tell others about Christ. I think that's where most Christians are today. We don't struggle necessarily with whether we're supposed to witness. We know that. And all God's people said, we know that God, that Christ wants us to witness. We know that. And most Christians, I think, understand that. But we just struggle with the how and the when and the mechanics of it. And many Christians have a hard time, I think, seeing themselves as someone who is an effective witness. Most of us look at ourselves and think, I'm not good at that. And I think most of us do. And so how do we get from uh, being the barber with the razor, scaring his customers half to death? to being someone who can be an effective witness in our life. So today, I want to help us with that. And as a pastor, uh, you know, I've been witnessing to people for a long time, 20 plus years, and I've knocked on thousands of doors and talked to many people. I've led people to the Lord. I'm more of an outgoing person than maybe you are. And can I just confess to you, every time I go to witness to somebody, I am terrified. And I I have that, that sense of fear and and my flesh fights against it. And so it doesn't matter how long you've been witnessing, or maybe you've never witnessed to somebody, we all feel that sense of fear. If you don't feel that sense of fear, you're probably a psycho. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing, and uh, maybe you've gotten over that somehow, but I haven't. And so let me help you today with, with being a witness, with being a witness. I think that if we're going to learn how to be a witness, we ought to look at the greatest soul winner who ever lived. And who was the greatest witness who ever lived? Jesus was. I'm going to say Jesus was probably the best witness that ever lived. Okay, so let's look at what Jesus did. Let me give you four simple thoughts today. Number one, Jesus was eager to give the gospel. He was eager. Look at John chapter number four. Look at verse six. Jesus, he's at the well. He was wearied. He sat on the well. He's sitting there. And verse seven says, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. And notice this, I I don't know that I've ever seen this before, but it just kind of hit me the other day. Look at verse 8. For his disciples were gone out away unto the city to buy meat. Now let me illustrate this. Brother Aspel, would you bring your chair over here? And I need a lady. I need a lady. Andrea, would you be willing to help me? Would you you go back to the back of the auditorium? Now if you're watching online, you can't see this, but this young lady, she's walking back to the back of the auditorium. She's going to stand at the back doors, okay? I need 12 men. 12 men, just 12 guys, come on up here. Dominic, Julian, come on up here. Joe, come on up here, quickly, come on. Joe De La O, come on up here. I need 12 guys. Brother Spillman, come on up here. Brother Galang, come on up here. Brother, brother uh, James, come on up here. Brother Ben, come on up here. I just need 12 guys, all right? Just quick. This is a quick illustration, but it's important. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Look at that, perfect. Now, this is a good football team right here, amen? Do we have 12? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So imagine... This is Jesus here. I'm just going to pretend Brother Asprelli is Jesus. He's sitting at the well, okay? Are you you with me? He's tired. He's been walking a long time. He's sitting at the well. His disciples, they're hungry. They're thinking, I'm going to go to In-N-Out and get a double-double animal style in Samaria. I hope the Samaritan In-N-Out has indoor dining. That's what they're thinking. And so they're getting ready to go to Samaria to buy meat, okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to illustrate this, okay? So Andrea... I'm going to have you slowly kind of walk towards Jesus here. You're the woman coming to the well. So you come on forward. And disciples, you head to Samaria to go get your hamburger. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just walk. Just walk. Slowly. All of you guys walk. All right. Pretend there's no middle row here. They're just walking. Now, I just want you to watch what happens here. All right. Good. 
All right, so you come on up here. You're with Jesus now at the well, and all of the disciples are in Samaria. Very simply, what just happened? Twelve of Jesus' disciples just walked right past her. You think, well, men weren't supposed to talk to women. Jews weren't supposed to talk to Samaria. But if you, have, if you know that Jesus is back there at the well, wouldn't you tell the woman who she's going to see right now? Hey, lady, just so you know, that's a pretty awesome, awesome person over there. That's Jesus Christ. If you're sick, he can heal you. Hey, if you have any questions, he knows the answers. Just so you know, I know we're going to get hamburgers, but you're going to see somebody very special. That's Jesus. Just so you know, that they didn't say one thing to her. Thank you all can be seated. The first thing I see here is that Jesus was eager to give the gospel. I don't know about you, but so many times in my life, I walk right past the person probably that needs the gospel the most. Jesus was looking for an opportunity. As soon as that lady came, he uh, struck up a conversation with her. He said, give me to drink. And he wasn't supposed to do that. It wasn't supposed to be a conversation that he had. But he wasn't willing to miss this opportunity because here they come. Here, here comes this lady. And Jesus was so eager to tell her. I think that Jesus actually purposely went to that well to talk to that lady and those disciples, and they're just like you and me. Let's not be too critical of them. They were hungry. They were thinking about hamburgers, baby. I want to tell you the truth. I'm thinking about a hamburger right now. I'm thinking about Thanksgiving. I'm talking about billowy mounds of mashed potatoes. I'm talking about hot gravy dripping down the sides. I'm talking about fresh, baked brown rolls with a big thing of butter just dripping off of it. I'm talking about green bean casserole, brother. I'm talking about stuffing. I'm talking about cranberry sauce. I'm talking about juicy. Uh, am I making you hungry yet? Like, Pastor, knock it off. All right, I'll move on. But these guys, they're thinking about hamburgers. They're hungry. Uh, they're, th they're talking about the local football game. Uh, they're talking about the things going on in their life. And they walk right past this lady who needs something. They all missed an incredible opportunity. But Jesus didn't miss it. He was eager. I think in my life, I don't know about yours, but my problem is, I compartmentalize witnessing. I compartmentalize it. I was writing the sermon, and my 14-year-old came up behind me. He goes, Dad, what's compartmentalizing mean? And I explained it to him. What it means is I put my witnessing in a little box. Well, I go witnessing on Saturdays from this time to this time, and I'm going, witness, I'm going out purposely. But guess what? There are opportunities that happen all around us. And all God's people said, sometimes the best opportunities are not while we're compartmentalizing, sometimes the opportunities present themselves to us. And so we need to be eager. We need to be eager like Jesus was and say, okay, I'm looking for, I'm waiting for someone uh, to be a witness to, to tell about Christ, not because I have to, not to check a box, not because it's a requirement, but because I'm eager. I can't wait to tell somebody about Jesus. How many of you have a favorite restaurant? Anybody, raise your hand if you have a favorite restaurant. How many are thinking about your favorite restaurant right now? Raise your hand if you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about it. D Daniel DeLuna, what's your favorite restaurant? Texas Roadhouse. Mm -hmm. They have some good rolls there. Who else has a favorite restaurant? Who else? Favorite restaurant? Nobody else is raising their hand. Okay. Mrs. Perry. Cheesecake Factory. Not bad, not bad. Do you ever tell anybody about your favorite restaurant? Of course you do. There's this place here in Lathrop. It's called Platanos. Have you ever been to Platanos? They have papusas. Man, they have this habanero salsa. It's incredible. You know how many people I've told about platanos? Why? Because I'm eager to tell them about a place that I like to eat. Of course, there's in and out as well. But you know, when you know the Lord, 
and you're in love with God, and, and man, you just love him so much, and I know we have problems, and I understand all that, but when you recognize how much God has done for you in your life, and when you realize where he saved you from, and what he's done in your life, and the grace, and the love, and all the mercy that he has for me in my life, I just, it just makes you kind of eager to tell somebody. Amen. I think that's where most of us are. Jesus was eager, but he took the opportunity. Let me give you number two. Jesus was equal with the gospel. So not only was eager, but he was equal. Verse 9, the woman says unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asked me, asked for me to give you a drink? This woman is calling out the inappropriateness of this conversation. She is literally saying, What are you doing? You're not supposed to be talking to me. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We hear a lot of things today about prejudices and racism and all of these things. And we live in a very hateful, divided society. But when it comes to being a Christian, there should be absolutely no barriers between us and giving somebody else the gospel. Christians should be the least racist people on the planet. We should be the people that are willing to do whatever it takes to give the gospel to somebody else. This woman, she was a woman. It wasn't customary for men to speak to women. Jesus broke that barrier. This woman was a Samaritan. If a Jew would talk to a Samaritan, they would literally go home and take a shower. Talk about racism. Jesus broke that barrier. Uh, uh, We see here that she had a sinful lifestyle and Jesus knew about it, but that didn't stop him. He wasn't unkind. He witnessed to her anyways. He broke that barrier. This woman was poor. Hey, rich people didn't walk a long distance to get water. They had their servants do it. This woman didn't have means. She was a poor person. And yet Christ broke that barrier. Christ was willing to break any barrier necessary to give this woman the gospel. That is how we should be. We're equal. I said we're equal. I was out door knocking one time and just inviting people to church. We do that as a church. We believe it's what we should do. So we go out, we tell others about the Lord. Not everybody does that, but our staff does and many people in our church. And so I go door to door and I tell people about the Lord and give them an invitation, let them know that we're here. We love them. We care about them. Tell them about Christ. I remember one time I was in a kind of a rough neighborhood and, and I, those are my favorite places to go. And so I'm in this rough neighborhood and, and I, this guy opened the door. He was probably seven foot tall, 350 thousand pounds. I mean, he was huge. No shirt on. Lots of chest hair. I mean, it was incredible. And he's standing there and I'm like this. I'm like, hi, my name is Perry. My name is Perry. And, uh, you know, I started talking. I'm thinking, Brother Ben, I'm thinking, this guy doesn't want to talk to me. Tattoos everywhere. And that guy ended up getting saved. Not because of me. I'm like, oh, do you want to talk? You know, It's amazing how sometimes we see people and we don't witness to them because we think that they don't want to know. We think they don't want to talk to us. Maybe there is a difference between us and them and we don't want to approach that. All I'm saying is that Jesus was willing to break barriers. We should be willing to break barriers. That's why we give to missions, brother. That's really, that's why we run the bus ministry. That's why we try to have ministries and and do things because we want to break those barriers. Jesus wasn't racist. He wasn't prejudiced. He was willing to give the gospel to this woman. Can I just say something? He didn't just witness to this lady. He was kind to her. He was kind in his demeanor. When he knew that she had a sinful lifestyle, Jesus didn't capitalize on that. He didn't pick up a rock and say, I heard you're you're in adultery right now. That's not what Jesus did. He talked to this woman about her soul. He cared about her soul. He broke barriers. He was equal with the gospel. May we be equal with the gospel. And all God's people said, 
Amen. May, may, if somebody speaks a different language than us, we don't, we don't push them away. We do our best to get them the gospel. Uh, when somebody looks different than us, it's not, uh, hey, I, I care about that person. And here's something that, that I want you to think about. Where love flows, the gospel is heard. Yesterday, we did those events. You know, I, I rejoice over three people who accepted Christ as their Savior. Do you know why those three people accepted Christ? Because they felt loved. There's a group that came to us. They came here because they care about us in our neighborhood. And they brought us gifts and they, they talked to us sweetly and gently and explained the gospel to us. We love people. And where love flows, the gospel is heard. Maybe in our life, we need to pray, God, break my heart for people to love others. Listen, you know and I know there's lots of people that are unlovable, but we need to love them. Guess what? I've been unlovable, and so have you. And so Jesus was willing to break those barriers. He was eager. He was equal. Number three, Jesus took the time. He explained the gospel. Verses 10 through 14 through 15, you can read about this, how Jesus took the time to explain it. He talks about the gift of God. He talks about drinking from the water, uh, the deep well that will uh, quench, the, quench the thirst, the living water. He talks about uh, uh, how everlasting life is springing up. He explains to this woman that if she drinks from this water, she can have everlasting life. And he explains the gospel. Christ gives us this amazing example of taking time to explain to somebody the gospel, to explain to them how that they are a sinner, how that Christ died on the cross for their sins and their sins are paid for, and that you can accept Christ no matter who you are, whether you're a Samaritan or a Jew, whether you're from this side of the tracks or that side of the tracks, anybody can accept Christ. He took the time to explain this to her. And here's a convicting statement that I hope doesn't hurt you, but causes you to think. Here's the statement. Christians should be able to explain the gospel. That is our responsibility. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We should be able to explain the basics of the gospel. And I understand that you might be thinking, man, I've never done that. And it's, it's, there's a lot to remember. Yes, but we have cheat sheets in the lobby for you. We call them gospel tracks. And on those, use those things. And, and if you don't remember all the verses, that's okay. You take that gospel track, you hand it to him. It has all the verses you need on there. And uh, we'll talk more about that in a moment about witnessing. But, but listen, uh, it ought, it's up to you and it's your responsibility as a Christian to be able to explain the gospel. Jesus took the time to explain it. How did he do that? Letter A, Jesus illustrated her condition. Jesus looked at this lady. He did not have a lot around him, but he did have a well, and he had some water. And so Christ uses the illustration of the water and this woman to illustrate her condition. Look at verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall what? Thirst again. Christ uses the water in the well. He uses it to illustrate the world. And how many recognize today that you can drink and you can drink and you can drink whatever the world has to offer. You can try to fill your life with money. You can try to fill your life with possessions. You can try to fill your life with relationships. You can find purpose in humanitarian uh, things. All of those things are fine and all of those things are okay. But when it comes to the end of the day, only Christ can satisfy. And Christ uses the illustration at the well. He says, listen, lady, you're going to drink that water. I know you're thirsty, but in a few hours, you're going to be thirsty again. 
If you drink of the water that I have, you'll never be thirsty. Christ was using an illustration. And maybe the person that you want to witness to or comes across you, you don't know where to start. You don't know how to broach the subject, but you can use an illustration that might make sense to them. And you might illustrate uh, uh, going fishing. You might illustrate uh, something and, and illustrate it to bring it to where they can understand it. A child needs a different illustration than an older person. But we can illustrate that. Look at verse 14. Whosoever drinketh this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. The woman says unto him in verse 15, notice this. She says, sir, give me this water. You see, she wanted that water. Christ made the illustration for her to understand that she wanted that. But Christ needed to go further. It's not just that she wanted the water. Christ needed to show her that she needed the water. Look at what it says here, verse 16. So Christ helps her understand her condition. He said, go call thy husband. And she answered, the shortest phrase she says in this whole chapter, I have no husband. And I believe in her heart at that moment in time, she felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit that she had no husband. And she knew where she was. Like I said, Christ didn't berate her. He didn't, he didn't hurt her. He just simply pointed out the fact, you're a sinner. Now, Jesus wasn't a sinner, but I'm a sinner. And sometimes when I'm witnessing to people, I like to point out the fact that we're all sinners. And all God's people said, amen. I'm a pastor, but I'm still a sinner. This guy's the biggest sinner you've ever met in your life. No, I'm just kidding. Brother, that's probably not. I'm just teasing. But you know, when we witness to others, we, we need to point out the fact that we need a Savior because we're a sinner. Romans chapter number three, verse 10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Christ was letting her know that she's in a sinful condition. Not only does she want that water, but she needs that water. And I want to tell you something today. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, being a Christian is awesome. Knowing the Lord is amazing. But it's not just awesome and amazing. You need to get saved. The Bible says there's a penalty for not getting saved. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And listen, uh, this lady probably didn't need to be told this. She knew the scriptures, but maybe you're here today. You don't know the scriptures well. And the Bible says that there's a heaven and there's a hell, and there's a penalty for our sin. Jesus wanted this lady to realize where, her, where she was. And today, we need to recognize where we are. And no matter how good we think we are, we're all sinners. This is a key element that Christ covers. Then he covers, he illustrates her condition, but let her be. Christ goes a step further. He incites a choice. He gives this lady a choice. He says to her, you worship not, you worship what you know not. You don't know what you worship. We do. Salvation is of the Jews. The hour is coming. Now is. Christ is saying, listen, now's the time you can accept Christ as your Savior. Look at verse 24. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called the Christ. And when he has come, he will tell us of all things. I could kind of, don't you just kind of feel like she's saying, well, I hear what you're saying. But when Christ comes, he'll tell me what to do. And listen to what Jesus says here. He says, well, just in case you were wondering, I'm he. He was giving her a choice. You can drink of this living water because I'm the Christ. Are you going to listen to me or not? He was inciting a choice. May I say this today? If you're not saved, you don't know Christ as your Savior, the water is there to freely drink, but it's your choice. Somewhere between verses 27 and 29, I believe this woman accepted Christ as her Savior. The Bible says in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that she got saved. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because of the reaction of the woman. She leaves her water pot. She walked all the way out there to get water. But because of that conversation, she left her water pot. She ran back into the village to tell others about Christ. I believe this woman got saved because I believe that this woman accepted Christ because she told others about Christ. And that leads me to my last point. Jesus, he entrusts the gospel to us. He entrusts it. Yes, he was eager. He gave the gospel himself. What a great example. Yes, he was equal. Of course, he gave the gospel to everybody, and, 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 and he did that, and he explained the gospel to this lady. But may I say this? Jesus knew his time was short, and so he entrusted the gospel to us. Notice the disciples come, and we know that this was a taboo thing because of the reaction of the disciples. The Bible says they marveled. Can you imagine Peter? He's coming back. Brother Renison, he's got his bag of in and out and John's over there holding the, the drink carrier and they're walking back and they walk up. They see Jesus sitting there on the well talking to this woman and I could see, I could see in and out fries coming out of Peter's mouth as his mouth opens. I could see John drop the drink carrier. This was not supposed to be happening. And we notice that the, 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 the disciples come back and, and they are very shocked at what's happening. But they've learned, I think at this point, they better not say anything because they don't want to get themselves in more trouble. And so <clears throat> Jesus, they ask him, they said, are you going to eat? We brought you a hamburger. And Jesus says, he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. In other words, that woman that I'm talking to right now, that's more important than eating a hamburger. And then he says something to his disciples and he's not just talking to them, he's talking to us. Say not ye, there are yet four months. And then cometh harvest. Behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white. What, church? What? They're already white. We must recognize today that Christ entrusts the most precious thing to him, the gospel. He has entrusted that to us. You and I might be like that barber today. <laughs> we, we want to give the gospel. It's in us. But it makes us nervous, and we don't know how to say it. We don't know how to do it. But can I just say there's also some other good news. We can learn some things from Christ, but we can also learn something from this woman. Look at verse 29 with me. Everybody look at that. Look at John verse 29. Would you read it with me? Ready, begin. Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You see, this woman didn't go to four years of Bible college. She didn't attend the, the soul winning seminar 101. She didn't go through discipleship. Do you know what this woman did? She just ran out, she found some people, and she said this, she said, come and see someone who changed my life. Isn't this the Christ? Come see him. Come check this guy out. He's amazing. And listen, can I ask you today, has Christ changed your life? Because if he has, you can be the greatest soul winner on the planet because all you need to do is go tell somebody else, listen, this is what Christ did for me. This woman was a great soul winner. She was a great witness. She had never been trained. Verse 30, and they went out of the city and they, lots of people, went out of the city and came unto him. This woman got people to come to Jesus just by telling him, come check him out. Witnessing is simply inviting others to come see what Christ did for you. It's that simple. Well, I don't know, one, two, three, whatever. Listen, that will come later. Just tell others about what Christ did for you. What did Christ do for you? 
Maybe you were sitting at home one day and somebody came and knocked on your door and took the time to explain to you how to accept Christ. Maybe that's your testimony. You could tell somebody that. Maybe you were sitting in a church service like this and a pastor like me was preaching and the Holy Spirit kept telling you, you don't know Christ. You don't know where you're going when you die. You need to get this settled. And you, you, you had the courage to go forward and ask Christ to save you. Maybe that happened to you. I don't know your testimony. Everybody's testimony is different, but tell someone about it. I want you to see the neatest part of this whole chapter, and I'm done. I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Go to John chapter 4. I want to show you one more verse. Look at this. John chapter 4. Look at verse 39. Now, this is pretty amazing. Are you ready? Look at verse 39. And what? How many? And how many? Many, many. many. Amen. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. May I say this today? Being a witness is not complicated. It's just simply telling others about what Christ has done for you. So what has Christ done for you today? And will you tell someone else about that? Every head bowed and every eye closed.